together, and I'll read from Hebrews chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, and I'll read through verse 4 if you'll read silently with me. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. And I'll just say right now, that's where America is today. The things that were taught, the things that were heard of old have slipped and have fallen away in our country today. Verse 2, For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? Now I want you to, I want you to look for a moment. He asks a question in verse, he, he, he actually presents a theory in verse 2. Says, if, if the angel, if the words spoken by angels were steadfast, and if every transgression and every disobedience of man received the just reward or the just recompense. In other words, if every sin you and I commit, if every transgression we commit was, if we received what we deserve for that, Then he says in verse 3, how shall we escape? If you and I got everything we deserved, how could we possibly escape all the things that that would befall us? Now verse 4, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts today. I pray that this message would be preached exactly the way you want it to be preached. And I pray that your spirit and the, the glory of Christ would be lifted in all these things. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stay, remain standing just for a moment. Jason, go ahead and put the next slide up. I'm going to ask you to sing with me. This is a little song I think everyone knows. Okay? Let's all sing it together. God bless America. Land that I love, stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the ocean wide with foam. God bless America, my home sweet home. God bless America, my home sweet home. Amen. Great job. You can be seated. You guys make a great choir. Brother Moline, we have a choir. What we'll do is just turn around, pastor will preach this way, and we have a choir. Amen. A lot more of you ought to think about joining the choir, by the way. Now, this is a song that most of us learned in elementary school. It's a song that evokes faith and trust in God. Yet, as a nation today, Americans would seem to lack trust in God. Just consider America this morning for a moment. 
Our Supreme Court has legalized the murder of innocent unborn children. Our Congress has passed laws removing God from our children's classroom and textbooks, and at the same time has invited homosexuality and transsexuality into the very same classrooms and textbooks. Our local courts have allowed homosexual marriages, which God calls an abomination, and for which the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were utterly destroyed. Television airs the most vile and profane programming, such that dishonor God and appeal to the most base desires of our wicked, evil, sinful hearts and minds. Hatred, violence, greed, these are at epidemic proportions across this land we call America today. Gang violence, rape, incest, murder, these are all rapidly increasing across our nation. Small rural communities, once sheltered from such lacks of morality, are now as corrupted as the large inner cities. Across our nation this morning, Christian men and women sitting in church services just like this are being fed a health, wealth, and prosperity message. Slowly but surely, liberalism has crept into the pulpits across America. Lies have been sown under the guise of gospel preaching. Satan has been ushered into the lives of many Christians by teachers having itching ears. Boy, I got a load of flies up here. You guys don't want any of these? You guys want some of these flies? I mean, I got, I got extras, I tell you. They could keep going by, and my eye follows them. No longer do our pulpits preach, thus saith the Lord. No longer do our pulpits renounce the works of the flesh and preach godliness through Christ and Christ alone. No longer do our pulpits warn of God's wrath and judgment to come. These have all been replaced by things such as the purpose-driven church or power of positive thinking or seeker-sensitive ministries. And so today, October 19, 2008, our nation sits on the brink of judgment. The cry of aborted babies continually rises up into the ears of God this morning. The stench of man's depravity challenges the justice of God today. The open debauchery of man's wickedness invites the wrath of God upon America today. And, just as God repeatedly allowed Israel to fall into the hands of its enemies, so I fear America is on a collision course with the reckoning of its sins. The author of Hebrews asks a very poignant question. He said, if if, if, all the, if we received the just recompense of our sins and of our disobediences, if we as Christians received what we deserve for our behaviors and our lives, how shall we escape if we neglect? This morning I want to challenge each of us here to face this question. 
to reconcile our lives according to God's Word and His principles. To awaken out of sleep and realize the bondage to which we have destined our children and future generations. In Romans chapter 13 and verse 11, Paul writes, And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we believe. And it's time, it's time in America that God's people, our Christian people, wake up and take a look around you. As always, there are two groups being addressed this morning. Those who are born again, and those who are not. First, this morning, allow me to speak to the are-nots. And my question to you is this. How shall we escape condemnation? If you are sitting here this morning and you do not, you are not born again, you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, how do you expect to escape the condemnation that awaits you. In Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 4, we read, Behold, all souls are mine, as the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Now, I don't think any of us this morning can claim to have never sinned. Therefore, we have all sinned. Therefore, we all must die, both physically and spiritually. Spiritual death, as defined in Revelation, is eternal damnation in the lake of fire. The second death. Tares amongst the wheat. This is what Jesus said our churches would be made of. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter number 13. And let's please look beginning at verse number 24. Matthew chapter 23, I'm I'm sorry, 13, beginning at verse number 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares amongst the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, Didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Now certainly I know most of you this morning, and I consider you to be good people. But we must remember it is not you or me that decide who is good. It is God that makes that decision, and he has already declared his judgment. In Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, we read, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. You might be the nicest person I've ever known. 
You might even be the most honest person I know. But despite this, we are all still pronounced unprofitable by God. We have already been condemned for our sins. In John chapter 3, we read, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Now someone here may say, now wait just a minute here, Brother Dalton. I do believe in God. But we must be ever so careful with this word believe. In James chapter 2 and verse 19, James says, Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. You see, the word believe in John 3.18 is derived from the Greek word pistis and is more accurately translated to entrust. While the word believe in James 2.19 is derived from the Greek root word pytho, which is correctly translated to assent or to agree. One calls for complete dependence, while the other calls for intellectual agreement. Satan and his minions assent to the truth that God is the one true God. However, this assent does not equate to their salvation. From this, we can see that a simple perception of God is not sufficient to escape the wages of sin. A simple belief or knowledge of God cannot deliver one from hell. Neither do we escape condemnation by virtue of works of righteousness. For in Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6 we read, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Oh, dear friends, this morning there is but one escape from the condemnation that awaits all men. In Romans chapter 10, Paul writes in verses 8 and 9, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. In Acts chapter 4, verses 10 through 12, we read, Be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Do you hear the voice of Christ today calling you unto repentance? In John chapter 10 and verse 27, we read, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. To those who hear him is given the power to believe, to entrust your soul to him. In John chapter 1 and verse 12, John writes, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So this morning, 
To those of you who are not born again, I say, how shall you escape condemnation apart from Jesus Christ and Him alone? But then there are some here today who are saved. You have answered that call and have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. However, the author of Hebrews continues that question, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? So secondly this morning, number two, I want to ask, how shall we escape deprivation and destruction? To those who are redeemed this morning, how do we expect to escape all the corruption and deprivation of this world if we neglect the gifts given us by God through His grace? Let's think about this for a moment this morning. What have Americans done with God and His principles in the past 45 years? Well, first, prayer was banned in public schools in 1963. Ten years later, we had Roe versus Wade, and abortion was legalized. In 2002, the Ten Commandments were banned in all federal buildings. Homosexuality and transsexuality was mandated in public schools in California in 2007. And then homosexual marriages were legalized in 2008. Pretty interesting, isn't it? Forty-five years after we banned prayer in public schools, look where we are today. Turn with me, if you would, to Jeremiah chapter 6. Let's all turn together. Jeremiah chapter 6. And we're going to read, uh, beginning at verse number, well, to save some time, let's begin at verse number uh, 11. Jeremiah chapter 6, beginning at verse 11. Therefore, I am full of the fury of the Lord. I am weary with holding in. I will pour it out upon the children abroad and upon the assembly of young men together. For even the husband with the wife shall be taken the aged with him that is full of days. And their houses shall be turned unto others with their fields and wives together. For I will stretch out my hand upon the inhabitants of the land, saith the Lord. From the least of them, even unto the greatest of them, every one is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, even unto the priest, every one dealeth falsely. They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is No peace. Boy, isn't that the pulpits of America today? Crying and proclaiming peace, peace with God when when America is is, is daring God by their actions? Were they ashamed? Verse 15. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Therefore they shall fall among them that fail. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. Do you honestly think that even American Christians today would, 
would, would get back onto the old paths of biblical principle? Most of the professing Christian denominations in America today would say, we will not walk therein. Their pastors don't even blush. They cannot blush. They're not at least, at the least bit ashamed at where they have taken God's people. Verse 17, Also I set watchmen over you, saying, Hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not hearken. Oh boy, what a, what a mess this, this nation is in. Verse 18, Therefore hear ye nations, and know, O congregation, what is among them. Hear, O earth, Behold, I will bring evil upon this people, even the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not hearkened unto my words, nor to my law, but rejected it. I'm not trying to be a pessimist today. And I'm not here to preach a doom and gloom message. I'm preaching, thus saith the Lord. Do you think you can continue to live your life the way it's going in America and God is just going to sit back in heaven and say, oh well. I love America today. My ancestors bled on the battlefields of this world to help secure our freedom. But I'm appalled at the condition of our country today. And I I'm sure probably every one of you above the age of 60 feels the same way I do this morning. Ultimately, the fault for all of this rests on the shoulders of the President of the United States. No, it doesn't. The root problems rest on God's people. For in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, my Bible states, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. If my people, not the President of the United States, if my people, not the joint houses of Congress, if my people, not the Supreme Court, if my people, America is in the shape It is in today because of God's people. Right now, people are looking for the root cause of our woes in this nation. And I'm here today to tell you that the root cause of our woes are sitting in the pews and standing in the pulpits across America today. It is Christians who have corrupted their hearts and minds with the things of this world. The scripture we just read implies that if we, God's people, were what we ought to be, then our land would be what it was meant to be. But few remain in America that are willing to admit that. Now, let me stop for a moment here and say this. Jesus said the world would always hate us. And you and I cannot possibly keep this world from going deeper and deeper and deeper into corruption. However, I will tell you this. America was founded and started by godly people. It was founded and started at the will of God to provide a nation where God was honored. And we have betrayed that in America today. No one wants to accept the blame. Far too many Christians are are too filled with pride to admit that we are a part of the problem. 
We want to sit in our sealed houses and pat ourselves on the back. And no one had better dare imply that we are not right with God. We sing all to Jesus, I surrender, yet we withhold the tithe. We sing, I have decided to follow Jesus, but we forsake the Lord's Day for the beach or to cheer our favorite team or to play soccer or softball or volleyball or basketball. We sing standing on the promises of Christ my King while we worry and complain about our IRA or our 401k dropping like a rock, denying God's providence over us. We sing wherever He leads I'll go, but we turn a deaf ear to the call to serve in our local churches. And all of this has contributed to the decay of moral values in America today. We hear politicians talking about moral values, but the values they are promoting are those of the world, not those of the Lord. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 17, we read, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The lust of the flesh, that's all you want to do. The lust of the eyes, that's all you want to have. The pride of life, that's all you want to be. And the common thought here is all that you want. But what should be the passion of the child of God? The passion of the child of God would be to do, to have, and to be all that God wants for me. So what can we do? What must we do as believers? What must we do if we hope to escape the depravity and the desolation of this world? Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. I'm pleased. I'm getting along faster than I thought. This is pretty good. We're going to actually be out of here before 1 o'clock today. Luke chapter 15. You 49er fans, don't worry. They're losing. I've got off preaching, got into meddling now, haven't I? Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found. And they began to be merry. 
this prodigal son didn't want to wait for his inheritance. He wanted it then. He wanted it right away. And he wasted it. You know, to me, that's a picture of America. God's children don't want... A generation arose that wasn't willing to wait for their inheritance. A generation arose that wanted all of their ease right away. And they wanted to, they wanted to satisfy all the lusts of the flesh. Everything, every craving, every desire they had, they wanted to fulfill it. And now we have a, a wasted generation in America today. In our, in our Christian environment. Now what do we have to do if we want to escape the depravity and desolation of this world? Let me give you three thoughts and we'll be done. Number one, rise. In Luke fifteen eighteen, we just read, I will arise, this young man said. Before we can begin to set things right in our life, we must first see ourselves where we are. This young man was as low as he could go, feeding the swine and desiring to eat their food. I am speaking to people today who have marital problems. I'm speaking to people today who have financial problems. I'm speaking to people this morning sitting here who have family issues. And you will never begin to solve these issues until you see yourself in the pigsty that you are in. This young prodigal son awoke and he was in the pigsty. He came to himself, the Bible says. And he woke up and he said, what am I doing here? He awakened to where he was. And once he did, he was able to begin to understand what he needed to do to resolve his problems. And and once you and I awaken and see the mess we have in America today, then we can begin to turn to the Lord and begin to set things right. This was the case of, in the life of King David. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 5 through 7, David is sitting in his throne room. Uh, he's committed immorality with Bathsheba, and he's, he's murdered her husband Uriah to cover his sin. And he's sitting there in his palace, and all of a sudden the prophet Nathan comes to him. And we read, And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Prophet Nathan came to King David as he sat on his throne and told David the story of a man who had hundreds and thousands of sheep. And and this, this man went to his neighbor who had but one little lamb, precious little lamb, and he stole away that lamb. And then to cover his crime... He murdered that man. And King David was incensed and said, That dirty dog, whoever did that, is to, it should be put to death and should have to pay back fourfold. And Nathan said, Hey, buddy, it's you. Who's betrayed America? Who's turned their back on, on, on all the values across America? Collectively, we have. We have. Who else are we going to blame? Are we going to blame the liberals for being a liberal? Do you blame a dog for being a dog? We can't blame the liberals for the shape of America. They're just doing what they're going to do. We have to blame the conservative people. We, God's children, we have to bear the blame. It's up to us to set things right in this nation. 
It was not until David faced and owned up to his sin that he was able to get his heart right with God. And in Psalm 51, verses 1 through 4, we read, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. What must we do if we hope to escape the depravity and desolation of this world? The first thing we have to do is wake up and see where we are. Then second, number two, we must not only rise, but number two, we must return. In Luke fifteen eighteen, we read, I will arise and go to my Father. In Malachi chapter 3 and verse 7, we read, Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, Wherein shall we return? Now this is a great truth. The prodigal son knew where to find his father. He knew exactly where to go. And the same is true for us today. In Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, we read, For I am the Lord, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. The father of this prodigal son was where he was supposed to be. And he was looking for the return of his son. In Luke 15, 20, we read it a few moments ago. It says, And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. See, that that father sat out there on his porch every morning and looked down the road and said, My son will come back to me. And he was waiting for him. And let me say this morning, dear friends, God is watching and waiting for you to return to him today. Come home to God this morning. In James chapter 4 and verse 8, we read, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. We are to rise. We ought to return. Then thirdly, we're to repent. Luke fifteen eighteen. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. This is where we are today. This is where we as Christians in America are today. You see, Christians feel good about themselves because they keep their distance from the world. They feel really good about that. You two guys help me for a second. Come on up. You're both good looking guys. I shouldn't call you because you're both better looking than me. Okay, so, so Jeff here is going to be God. You get to be God. Joseph, come over here. You're the sinful, wicked, dirty world. Get over here. Now, where should I be as a Christian? I should be right here, right? Huh? I should be hanging on to God, and God would hang on to me. Absolutely. God would hang on to me. He's my father. Just like when I was a little boy, I used to hang on. I'm not going to hang on to your leg. But my da- I used to hang on to my daddy's leg. But you see, that's, and by the way, this is where we are when we first get saved. We're right here. Ooh, right here. Boy, this is great. But then after a little while, we start saying, eh, yeah, it's pretty good. 
Hey, guy. Yeah. Ooh, the world. Oh, no. Oh. Not getting close to the world. And the world's been moving further that way more and more over the years. The world's been moving that way, getting more wicked, more evil, more vile. But I'm keeping my distance. I'm keeping my distance. I'm not getting any closer to the world than I've ever been. But would you look at me? This is where we are today. And if you want to be honest in your heart, as I had to be when I prepared this, I had to say, Lord, I got my distance from the world, but the distance from me to you is even greater. See, I'm closer to the world than I am to God. And that's where Christians are today. And don't get mad at me, I'm the messenger. But that's where we are today. We're closer to the world than we are to God. Oh, we got our distance. Oh, we got our distance from the world. But we're right where the world used to be. God's never moved. And until I wake up and say, whoa, I'm going home. And when I get close, my father saw me and he reached out to me. (laughs) And he called me back. And you know what? This is where we need to be. And if we were right here, wow, what a difference America would be. If all God's children were right here, where they ought to be, that would be, we wouldn't be, war- we wouldn't be in the shape we're in this election if God's children were what they ought to be. Don't blame the world, folks. Thank you, guys. Don't, 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 blame, don't blame the world for the way things are because the world's just being the world. Don't blame the liberals for the way things are because liberals are being liberals. Look in the mirror and say, it's my fault. It's my fault. God is aware of our sins. The question is, are we prepared to acknowledge them and forsake them in his presence? Today, I pray the Holy Spirit has helped each of us to look inside our own heart and answer these questions. First, Is my heart right with God today? Am I holding on to things I need to let go of? Do I have the faith that I should have? Is my life a testimony for Christ? And most important of all, am I a child of God? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for this day. Father, I stand before you right now and I just, I can do nothing but just say I'm not what I ought to be. And Lord, if every Christian alive today would be honest, then they would have to say the same thing. We have drifted away from you. We've kept our distance from the world. We, we, we do our best to make sure that we are separate from the world. But foolishly, in in all of our attempts, we've drifted from you. And I pray today we would awake. We'd wake up and and rise up and see where we are. We We would return to you and repent. And in so doing, we would see revival begin in our hearts and and spread to our churches and spread to our cities and 
and possibly even, Lord, spread to our nation. But it all starts with me. It all begins with me getting right with you. Revival begins in the heart of every believer. So this morning, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way. I pray you'd convict us in our hearts, that you'd cause us to stop patting ourselves on the back and start looking at what we need to change. I pray that Christ would have been exalted in all that was said and done today. And I ask you to bless this time now as we have this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me?